friends, welcome to the Skyline Church podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. Well, I, I normally don't, don't give a title uh, to a message, but man, I've been stirred this week. Um, and so hope of glory, that's, that's going to be the title of the message today. So try to kind of get your mindset, your heart set on that hope of glory. Um, I've just been, since Easter it seems like, I've just been with a lot of Christians who are getting pummeled right now who are living defeated Christian lives. And I don't, maybe it's, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just a phase. I hope it, I hope it goes away soon. Uh, but they're just not living effective, Holy Spirit-filled lives right now. They're, leave, they're living defeated lives. And, and to be honest, it, it, it breaks my heart. So this is as much for, for me today to have a message of hope to offer to some of those people. So maybe you'll find yourself as one of those that need the hope today. Maybe you'll find yourself as one that's like, okay, I got some verbiage, I've got some vocabulary to pass on to this person who, who is struggling. So I said you could be seated for just a second. Please do stand as we have our reading for this morning. We started the book of Timothy last week, and we will be in verses, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It says this, I urge you as you did when I was on my way to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach any different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies to promote speculations rather than the divine training that is known by faith. But the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Some people have deviated from these things and turned to meaningless talk, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make assertions. Oh, sorry, that would be me. forgot I got the clicker this time. Picking up in verse, I think it's verse 9. Now we know that the law is good. If one uses it legitimately, this means understanding that the law is laid down, not for the innocent, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the godless and sinful, for the holy and profane, for those that kill their father and mother, for murderers, fornicators, sodomites, slave traders, liars, 
perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted me. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. So Paul, Paul sent Timothy to go with uh, go to the church of Ephesus where there was a lot of strange teaching that was going on. You had guys that were obsessed with speculating and pontificating because you know this is true. You've probably seen it. If you spend time speculating and pontificating and debating truths that are unknowable, you don't have any time left to do the things that are perfectly clear. And so these teachings were becoming divisive. Teachings that, is, that are faithful to Jesus are always going to result in love and genuine faith. So the purpose of this law, the Old Testament, Torah, wisdom, it is to display the human condition. That's what it's about. The law is there to display the human condition. So correct teaching of the law, of this wisdom, will always, will always point to the grace in Messiah who came to seek and save that which is lost, to heal that which is broken. So this letter, it's very important uh, because it, it gives us a holistic understanding of the big C church, the church at large all throughout the world, all Christian followers, and also what a family, a small C church like Skyline Church, ought to look like. And I love in the video last week, if you weren't here, one of my favorite quotes from the video setting up 1 Timothy was, what a Jesus community believes will shape how that community lives and behaves in that city. What you believe matters because it's going to come out of you. And other people in our city will look in and they'll go, ah, so that's what they believe. Its theology and beliefs must be consistently critiqued and formed by the teachings of Jesus. Extremely important. So how the church is perceived out there was really important to Paul and as a result ought to be important to us as well. Christians are, are to be known for, what is our primary characteristic? A Christian should be known by their, by their love that shows up in joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, Right? It shows up in a servant heart, a gracious spirit, good works, all to the glory of the divine king. Isn't that how all the Christians you know are perceived today? Not always. So we need reminding. That's what these divine teachings, these divine trainings, that's what these letters that Paul wrote to the early Christians were all about. It's why we call a timeout in the middle of our worship set and say, okay, it's time for some divine teaching. It's time to, to pass on teachings that were formed by Jesus. Because the reality is we all need reminding, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but how long does it take you to, to begin to feel that pull back into blending in with the culture around us? A after a Sunday, how long, does it, how long does it take before you begin to feel that pull? S Sunday afternoon? Evening? Is it Monday, Tuesday? But, but we all start to feel this pull, and, and some of us start each week thinking, okay, I, there was a reset, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try harder this week. 
Ever felt like that? Go to a church service, you get inspired, incredible worship. All right, this week, this is the week I'm going to try harder because that's always effective, right? No. If, if you just try harder to have this pure heart and good conscience, right, that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, if you just try harder, all will be fine. Well, we know that's not true. It hasn't worked for you. It's futile. Let me ask. This isn't going to be a show of hands. But how many of you have a track record for consistently and successfully loving God and loving other people, day in, day out basis, making disciples, avoiding the traps of sin, right? Lust, pornography, greed, gossip, debauchery, fits of rage. We're not going to have a show of hands, but we all struggle with this. And we're like, where, 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 did, where did that come from? Maybe you can even think back to a time when, when you were convicted of a particular sin and, and you were motivated to be better this time, right? You're, you're determined that this is the time I'm going to make a change. But not only did the right thing not happen, the wrong thing happened again. How about a time when maybe you pleaded with God? You're like, all right, God, if you just get me out of this one this time, if you get me out of this one this time, I promise I will fill in the blank. See, I think we have to ask ourselves a question. Is our faith producing pure hearts and a good conscience? Is our faith consistently producing pure hearts and a good conscience? Jonathan talked about last week the little tribe that he and I grew up in called the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana, right? And in our tradition, we had this little thing called rededication. Did, did any of you grow up in a tradition where there was rededication? Raise your hand. A few of you. For those of you who have no idea what that means, it just means that you prayed the prayer, right? One time you got right with God, you, you were following God, and then all of a sudden you weren't following God, and you're like, oh, crap, I messed up again, so I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus. That's what it means. And it really doesn't matter when you do it because in two weeks you're going to have an opportunity to do it again, right? To rededicate yourself to your rededication of your dedication, right? And that doesn't tend to work, right? But we, were even, we would have people, youth pastors, pastors, well-intending people who would just say, cry out to God and tell him this time things are going to be different. They, they would lead us in those prayers, and they would say, tell him that this is the last time. This is the last time that we're going to have this conversation, God. This is the last time we're going to talk about, okay, we're not going to sleep together anymore. This, this is the last time that we're, that, that we're going to do this. This is the last time that we're going to smoke that. This is the last time we're going to ingest this. This is the last time, God. This is the last time we're going to have this conversation about me feeding my addiction or talking about somebody who you made holy unrighteously. This is the last time. I'm not going to do it. This is the last time I make the decisions for myself. I'm going to follow you. But how do we do it? How, how do we really, like really, love God with all of our heart? How do we really, genuinely, and consistently love the people that are around us? 
how, how do we swim upstream against these th- three things that are always, every day, 24-7, fighting against us, right? The world tw- trying to squeeze us into its mold or, or the flesh that we have that wants to do certain things for a moment. Or that very real enemy, Satan, who has an army of demons that would love to see Christians fail so that the church looks bad. We've got three things. Those three things every day are trying to knock you off mission. What is your mission? To glorify God. What is your mission? Your mission is to glorify God. To conform to the glorious gospel as Paul wrote to Timothy. But we live in a culture, even right here in the Bible Belt, where often think, oftentimes godlessness is championed and celebrated, isn't it? We have all kinds of things that the world will tell us, this is better than Jesus. Notoriety, likes, money, pleasure, those become the desires of our heart and we chase them. How do we get back to where Isaiah was at when he wrote these words? Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desires of our heart. Can you say that honestly today? Is his name and his renown the desire of your heart? I want it to be, how do we do it? How do we glorify, really, so we cut through all the BS, how do we really glorify God? How do we love him? How do we love others? How do we live lives that bear kingdom fruit? How do we live lives in our city and in our workplaces that actually announce that Jesus is better? Too often I think our Our lives resemble verses 9 through 11 instead of 6. Because it's easy to be two different people, isn't it? It's easy to be one kind of person here with this family or in in your nuclear family. But it's a completely easy and different way to be with other friends. Or no friends when you're alone by yourself. It's just too easy these days to be, to be two different people. And to wrestle with phoniness. The Bible calls it hypocrisy, right? And here's the reality. Hypocrisy hurts the church. It hurts all of us. Right? Our, our twins. I'm sure your kids have never dealt with this. They didn't have a very good attitude after basketball on Thursday. So they got the talk again. Right? I said, listen, the, that attitude did not reflect Buddy Healed. You, you wear a shirt on your shirt that says Buddy Buckets. It's his name. He's a man of integrity. You tarnish that by being rude. On the back of your jersey, it says Dewey. That's my name. You, you tarnish that by, by the way you acted, by, by the way you lived. And we're trying to follow Jesus together. And at the end of the day, when we do things like like that, it's a reflection on Jesus. And when you do things like that, 
It's a reflection on Jesus, and it's a reflection on all of us. Some of you I know and I've heard have made a rededication of your life at Easter. It was a magnificent worship service, absolutely incredible. The Holy Spirit was clearly here and moving, but maybe, maybe in a moment of honesty, you may be wondering in the back of your mind, was it enough? Was that celebration, was that excitement enough this time to sustain you moving forward? Was it enough to break the chains that have shackled you for years? I got to tell you, no. It was not enough. The great music set that we had this morning, it's not enough. It's not enough to cause you to try harder to see consistent and sustained change. It's not enough to give you a pure heart and a clear conscience that radiates to the world in love. That's encouraging, isn't it? What is encouraging is if, if we'll stop buying the lies. Stop believing lies and, and commit to understanding and believing truth. Truth is the foundation of this sincere faith that Paul is passing on to Timothy, that passed on to his people, that eventually got to us, and we have a duty to pass that on to other people. Truth, truth is the foundation. Truth is essential to living the way of Jesus. Truth is Jesus. We're never asked anywhere to live out the Christian faith by trying harder, being more committed, having grit. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's just not enough. So lie number one. Lie number one is something's better than Jesus. Lie number two, you can do it. So let's commit together to be truth tellers and truth hearers, will you? The lie that you can do it. Let me ask you, has anybody ever put in your mind, or, or maybe you inferred it, that the Christian life was easy? Because I think sometimes we actually sell that, right? All you have to do is pray this prayer, right? So all we do is pray this prayer. And life doesn't change much. It looks the same as before we prayed the prayer. But it's a lie that you can do it on your own. The Christian life is not just difficult. Listen, the Christian life is impossible. There's only been one guy who's lived the Christian life and pulled it off. And he did it so well they named the thing after him. Which is why it was good when he said, it's good for me to leave you and go back to the Father. What, what, what do you mean? It's good that, that I leave you and go back to the Father because I promise you, I promise you, I'll send you a helper. I'll send you my spirit, right? John 14, 16 through 17 says it like this, and I will ask the Father, these are Jesus' words, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you, how long? To be with you forever. That starts now, not just when you get to heaven. And who is that? That's the spirit of 
Truth matters. Truth sets you free. You know him for he lives with you and he lives in you. That's good news, right? I got some amens in the first service right there. So let me read that again because you may have missed it. The Holy Holy Spirit lives with you and will be in you. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. Do you believe this? Do you believe Holy Spirit can live the Christian life? Do you believe the Holy Spirit can live the Christian life? We agree. In fact, do do you believe he does live the Christian life right now today? Yes. So we can agree that he can and he does. Well, listen to this. God gave us Holy Spirit. So that the one who can live the Christian life will live the Christian life through the one who can't live the Christian life, which is you and me. It's good news. And just when you think it can't get better, Paul reveals to us the mystery, the mystery that David didn't know, Noah didn't know, Moses didn't know. Abraham didn't know. They didn't know this mystery. It was revealed. And and what what is this mystery? Starting in verse 19. And by the way, we'll get there in just a second in the mystery. But he says this first. For in him, in Jesus, that's who he's talking about. In Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in the mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless, irreproachable before him. <laughs> this is... If you believe this, this is really, really good news. But the problem is, most of us have an identity crisis. Because we've only understood half the gospel. Maybe it's not our fault. Maybe we've only been given half the gospel. Maybe, maybe they only told us half the truth. Which, which what is half the truth? What's well, false teaching, right? It's false which is what Paul is telling Timothy, you got to get this stuff right. It's it's not the truth. It's not the whole truth. The whole truth will set people free. Half the truth will enslave them. Because we have this half truth. Have you heard this? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Have you heard that before? What's another lie? I'm just a sinner And then saved by grace. See, the identity point at this point is sinner, right? I'm a sinner. So so when we're a sinner, guess what? We have a fallback strategy. Well, what did you expect? I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. And so here's what we believe. We believe that it's just normal for somebody who has prayed the prayer, become a follower of Jesus to sin. It's just normal to sin. The reality is, followers of Jesus, it should be abnormal 
for us to sin. You and I were probably taught, if you grew up in church, a verse, and you probably memorized it. Romans 3.23. Anybody got it? For all have and fall short of God's glory. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Do you know what it says next? You notice there's a comma. It's actually a semicolon in this version. But punctuation matters in Scripture. Do you know what it says next? Anybody, anybody got that one memorized? It says this, they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that comes through Christ Jesus. Can we read that together? You can't put a period on, I'm a sinner. Right? Can we read this together? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. That, my friends, is the full gospel, and that is great news. We've been justified just if I'd never sinned. We're clean, redeemed. Saved, made holy. That's the whole gospel. And in Colossians chapter 1, if we went, this is where we were at. But if we go back to the salutation, right, where Paul writes this letter and he says, hey, hey, this is me. And by the way, I'm with Timothy. This guy I'm writing the letter to later. But I'm, I'm with Timothy. What's he say? He says, Paul, I, Paul, am an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So we're writing you this letter. Who to? To the what? You say it. To the? To the saints and the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. To the saints. This is where we get an identity crisis, right? Because we're still saying, I'm just a sinner. And Paul and Jesus are going, no, 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 no. You're a saint. You are a, a saint. Paul never opens any letter. You challenge me. Go look at every letter I ever wrote. He never starts with you big, fat, Wretched sinner. Never does. Never does. Because under the influence and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he knows for a fact that to defeat a lie, you have to know the truth. To defeat a lie, you have to know the truth. Truth sets us free. Truth reprograms our mind. Truth will transform how we live. As long as you think I'm just a sinner, you're going to believe you can't stop. You're going to think, I can't change. I'm just predisposed to fill in the blank. But that's just half the story. He died on the cross for your disposition. But he rose from the grave, ascended to the Father for our transformation. To give us a new identity. See, a sinner, a sinner can do some righteous things, right? We all have friends. Don't want anything to do with Jesus. They can do righteous things, but they can't be righteous. On the flip side, a saint can sin. Exhibit A. A saint can sin, but that does not make my identity a sinner. No, I'm, I'm a saint who's just temporarily decided to be disobedient. 
I'm a saint who just set my sainthood aside for just a moment and chosen to do something that was less than what God would have for me. And so God would say to us what he said to David. We talked about it a few weeks ago, 2 Samuel chapter 12. What did he say to David? Stop sinning. Stop sinning. You're making us all look bad here. Right? But he never says, he never says, hey, sinners, try to act holy. No, he says, hey, holy ones, repent and turn and live into your true identity. Submit to the power that's living in you because you're in Christ. So let me say it again. Do you believe that Holy Spirit can live the Christian life? I believe he can. And so scripture says in Galatians 5.16, as many who are led by the Spirit, they do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. As many who are led by Holy Spirit from the inside out, they don't satisfy the desires of the flesh. A saint, they're different. They've been made holy and blameless by the power of God. That's the second part of the gospel. So Paul's not talking about something here that you believe so that you can go somewhere when you die. He's talking about something that you can receive so that you can truly live here and now. Amen? You're all going to have to wake up just a little bit. Back to Colossians chapter 1. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here's the mystery. Have you been wondering what it was? Moses didn't know it. You're going to know something he didn't know or Abraham didn't know. But the New Testament people, they knew it. What's the mystery? Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Christ in you. In you. That's the mystery. People didn't know. Do you get this? You should be excited about this. People in the Old Testament didn't know this. This is a secret that's been revealed. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So so when we pray, it's no longer, hey, God, would you help me with this? Would you assist me here, God? Would you come alongside of me, God? No, it's will you lead me? Will you show me where I should take the next step? Please. Isaiah had it right, right? He said, we walk in your laws and then we wait. We walk and we wait. That's the Christian life, right? When it's clear, we walk. This is the direction we should go. When we come to a fork in the road and we're like, I don't know, which way should I take? Wait to ask Holy Spirit. And stand right there until he tells you to go left or right. So I'm going to try to do my best to summarize an illustration that I've seen. Um, hopefully it ties the whole thing together, right? Because in the beginning, in the beginning, God created it all. All the galaxies, all the solar systems, every star, every planet, this planet, right? He, he created the birds of the air and the fish in the sea and every animal and creepy thing that crawls on the earth. And, and then he created you and me. He created us in his image. See the resemblance? He created us in his image and in his likeness. And there for a while, we, we lived together with him in perfect union with God, unbroken. Then we abused our power, and we started to walk away 
Because we didn't want him telling us what to do. We wanted to be our own God. We wanted to follow our own way, take our own steps. So we began to drift. But even in our rebellion, God chased after us, right? He banished us from the garden, but then he came after us. And all throughout the Old Testament, he would send messengers and prophets to tell us of his love. But we continued to drift and move in our own direction. But when the time was right, when the time was right, God said, I'm coming after you myself. So God left heaven in the form. So, so not only is he saying, hey, I'm going to look like you, but I'm going to look like you, right? So he left heaven and he came to earth. He said, I'm going to reveal to you my love. And I'm going to rescue you from your sin. So Jesus, he's, he's born of a virgin, Right? And he shows us what God the Father is exactly not right, like, right? Okay, this is important, right? They're exactly alike. And not, not only did he show us what God was like, he showed us how we as humanity are actually meant to live here and now. In him, all the fullness of the Godhood dwells, right? And so when we follow Jesus... We are on this journey of becoming our true selves and living into this true identity. So Jesus, he, he lives a perfect life, and we kill him. He's crucified, dies, and he's buried. But three days later, he rose to demonstrate to everyone who would ever live that he was who he said he was, God. And then he ascended with God to the right hand of the Father. This is the truth that Paul writes about to Timothy, right? This is the truth. This is divine teaching. This is divine training. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Because, I mean, what he said was difficult. Jesus said, you are to be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, how, how, do, how do we do that? How do, we, how do we be perfect like, like Jesus? But we were just reminded, why is it good that Jesus went away? Because he was going to send Holy Spirit. His presence in spiritual form, he would send to anyone who would receive. And what did he say? He would say, he will be with him. And then what else did he say? He would be what? In him. Holy Spirit lives in us. If we've made the decision to trust Jesus with our salvation, if we've taken that step to follow him, guess what? You have Holy you don't have to do anything else. You have Holy Spirit living in you. So this living the Christian life, it's becoming more doable, amen? But then it gets better because what was the mystery? The mystery came down to, to one two-letter word. What is it? In in Christ. The mystery is that we are in Christ. So not only do we have Holy Spirit living in us, we are in Christ. We may be functioning here physically, but spiritually we are there with him. We are in him. It is living the light, Christian life becoming more doable? Not about trying, but is it becoming more doable, yes or no? 
And when you think it can't get any better, we get to Colossians 3, verses 2, which says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of this earth. Because you have died, and your life is hidden with Jesus in God. Huh? That's pretty good. Why is it good? Because we can live the life he's called us to. Not on our own, but in him. One of the questions that I was trained to ask in sharing the gospel was if you were to die today, you know, the, you know how to finish this? If you, were to die, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? It's a good question. It's one that every single one of us in this sanctuary ought to be able to answer. And if you can't, call time out and you just sit with Holy Spirit and see what he might have you do next. But for the rest of us, I think there's another question that we have to ask ourselves, right? What if we don't die today and we wake up tomorrow? Do we have the hope and belief in a power source that can allow us and empower us to live triumphantly? Do you believe that? To conform to the glorious gospel. Because something has happened powerful enough to set you free from whatever's got you shackled and to live triumphantly with him. To live a life worthy of the calling of God, which is what? To glorify him. You have what it takes to live a life that will glorify him because you have been made new in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's gone, the new. This is the new. This is what, you want to know what new looks like? It looks like this. It looks like Holy Spirit in me and me in Jesus and me and Jesus in God. That's what the new looks like. It's not about trying harder. Not about, I got to do this. Got to do that. Right? The only I in the equation at all is I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen? Amen means I agree. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. So the band comes back up. The band comes back up and we stand... And we listen. So would you stand? And would you listen? Because here's what I believe. I believe there are two different kinds of people here today. One, they're not real sure if they die today where they would go. And for you, this is too important of a moment to be thinking about lunch. If you don't know where you would go, man, I know we have a prayer team. We would love to meet you at the altar. We would love to help settle the score. That's the first half of the gospel. Jesus died to redeem you and make you holy. I think there's a second person, right? The one that's kind of on that revolving chair. <laughs> rededicate, oops, rededicate, oops, rededicate. I want to say you don't have to do that. You don't have to try. You don't have to rededicate. You have to listen to what's already inside of you. You've already been deposited Holy Spirit, and he wants to set you free from whatever has you entangled. And so 
Here's the cool thing that can, it comes around, it can happen seven days a week, but at least every week we have an opportunity to come lay our face on the altar and go, today I want it, today I want it to be different. Not because I try harder, but because I defer more. I defer to you. I wait. I don't know what I should do. I don't know if I should pick that up, look at this, do this. Holy Spirit, what would you do in this moment right now? And you should do that when you're sitting at your computer. You should do that when you're out with friends. And you should do it when you're sitting in church and you feel a tug on your heart. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. This takes practice, right? Holy Spirit says, step here. I'll step here. I don't need to know where the next one is. I step here. Now what? I'll step here. And let's just see what Holy Spirit does, okay? Father, I, th- I just know that you were working in the first service. I believe that you're working again today. I don't believe the result of, a, of all of us kind of understanding this, a full altar, but if that's what you want to do, you can do that. Some of us are just going to sing with grateful hearts because we don't do it perfectly, but we're getting, we're getting closer. We're getting closer to following you. We're following so close that we can feel the, the dust that Jesus kicks up from his flip-flops on us. So we just sing with gratitude in our hearts. For those that want set free, today could be a day, a life-changing day. Man, just do your thing, Lord Jesus. I'll get out of your way in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching at Skyline OKC. Again, here at Skyline, we are a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. So if you would like any more information on that, please go to our website at skylineokc.com and connect with us via that way. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.